0: the ur Podcast, where we bring the real deal with, Europe, with European basketball. Hear from players about how they live as international basketball players. I'm your host, Big Dave, along here with my co-host. Al Snow. Snowman, how you doing, man?
1: But I'm good, I'm good. We got a special one here today. We yeah, got a... yeah,
0: man. Yeah. We got a good one, man. This guy's resume is impressive. It's real long and impressive. So we just gonna keep it short. To his professional level, first he's won the Italian. He's an Italian Cup winner. He's a French Cup winner. He was the Polish League MVP. He was the Polish League Finals MVP. He's an Israeli Super Cup MVP. Italian Cup MVP. <laughs> French Cup MVP. <laughs> Italian Series A2 Playoff. MVP. So as we know, this guy' life is like MVP. So we're just gonna call him David MVP. Logan. Hey man, welcome to the show, man. We happy to have you on, man. Appreciate hey, it. man.
2: I, pre- I appreciate y'all having me, man. It's an honor, man. Uh Al told me you guys are trying to get your podcast up and coming, so you know I had to had to bless Al, man. I met Al in Poland long, long, long time ago, man, but he's been a a real good dude and. You know, fortunately, he's already on the, on the West Coast, so not able to really see him like that. But, you know, it was a pleasure playing against him and just, just getting to know the guy, you know, while playing professional basketball.
0: Yeah, man, well you, uh, you actually played with uh, one of my Houston brethren when you was in Poland, uh, Mr. Daniel Ewing.
2: Yeah, Dan. I still talked to Dan a little bit. I spoke yeah. to him uh, a couple months ago uh, yeah. when he was still kind of playing a little bit, so... Yeah, it was, it was an honor playing with Daniel Tua. I played with him for two years, and then played against him a couple times after that.
0: When you yeah. was in Poland, did you win a championship every year while you was there?
2: Nah, not my first My first year. I didn't. We lost uh, game seven at home in the finals.
0: Who, that, yeah. the pro ProCon?
2: Yeah. When I was with Turo, we had the home court and everything. We ended up losing in the finals. In the next two years, I won the championship those two years.
0: Okay. Okay. That was you and Thomas Kalati,
1: right? Yeah.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well to,
1: go ahead, Snow. Let's dive into some of that, man. You you you've we talked a little bit about you in the intro winning all these MVPs, but let's talk about some of the winning that you've done. Cause throughout the course of your career you played at a really high level and on some really big clubs, and with some really big clubs. Let's talk about some of this winning, man. What is it about you that you think makes you someone who just wins?
2: man i mean i think it just starts from just being in good situations and you know i've just been able to capitalize a lot on the situations i was in and so you know me coming out of d2 college and you know playing my first year i played uh second division italy and you know but I, i tell guys a lot it takes it takes you know seven eight months for a player to adjust to Europe. you know first or second year playing even after the first year even if you adjust it's still some some adjustments you can make just to make the overall situation better. So, you know, my first year, it was tough for me, man, because I was over here by myself, just, you know, like any other guys, not too many guys coming over here with girlfriends or wives at 21, you know, so me, I was, I was by myself coming out of college. So it was a big adjustment for me. And I only had, you know, another one other American on my team who was kind of, you know, older than me. So, Man, I was ready to go home in the first couple of months, and you know, a lot of people had to talk me in the stand just because, man, it was different. I was in a small city, nothing to do, so I was like, "Mom, I'm about to ready to come home." So she was like, "Nah, you know, just stick it out." So I stuck it out, and they ended up releasing me in December. Not because you know I was playing bad; it was just I was a rookie. I, I don't know if they were trying to win the league that year, but we were kind of in the middle. We were in the playoffs, you know. I had. Pretty good numbers. I was like 15 and a half, you know, four assists. So I was playing well, not thinking anything of it. Then all of a sudden they just wanted to change. They wanted a veteran player. So, you know, I left, I'm like, damn, you know, my first taste of being cut in Europe and it's my rookie year. So I'm like, damn, is this how I go all the time? So, were, you know, I
0: finished. Where, where were you at that time?
2: I was in Pavia. I was in second division, Italy.
0: Okay. It's
2: about 20 minutes outside of Milan. So, you know, I was there until December, left. And went to a bottom bottom team in Israel in the first division and finished out there. So overall just learning that year was big for me. And I tell a lot of young guys, you know, surviving your first two years without being cut is is, is pretty good, you know, especially if you got some, some good numbers because that way you can you can climb that ladder, you know, to being successful, you know, not only with contracts, but you know, as teams and, and things like that. So after my first year, kinda learned and Experienced that, you know, being cut, and I I was never cut again after that. And just kept, just kept climbing the ladder. So, you know, for me, winning and and things like that, it was just for me just adjusting my game and trying to make it more the most European way possible. Because you know, it's it's totally different to playing in the NBA. And I tell guys that a lot because it's not a lot of isolation. Very few guys get isolation plays. I mean, if you're a good one-on-one player and your coach really understands you, then He'll find you he'll find you a way to you know maximize your potential so not 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 all guys get that treatment
1: right there's i remember um during your time in poland actually i remember you from israel first you you always kind of had a knack for scoring the ball man um,
2: it's just I, I just been like that in college because my senior year you know i led the nation scoring in the d2 almost 30 a game. so you know, my agent was like, don't change your game, going to Europe, NBA, anything like that. Just, you know, adapt a little bit to how they want you to play, but, you know, just be aggressive. So I just kept that mentality. and You know, coaches just, just find a way for me to, you know, use my abilities.
1: Right. You had a coach in Poland, um, Filipovic, is that his name?
2: Filipowski, yeah.
1: Filipowski, yeah, Filipowski. Um I remember – there were certain times throughout the game where well, – no, I can't say certain times. He would put you in positions at times where you could play one-on-one. Yep. Um, how you, you spoke a little bit about how that's just not common in Europe. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that's – how having those kinds of opportunities helped your game but also having him teach the European game also helped kind of round out your game?
2: Yeah, I I think that was an important year for me. So that was my third year in Europe playing on that team, coming there. And, man, it was a blessing just because he just let me play, man. And, I mean, everybody on that team, you know, once the preseason was over over and the season started, they respected that. So they were just like, shit, if the coach gonna let you do it, we just gonna rock with it. And everybody just kind of like, I ain't going to say he took a back seat because, you know, we had Thomas Claude, which was a good player too, but mm-hmm. he knew he was like, damn, you know, it, it's his time to shine. So nobody really, like, hated that year. And I remember one time we was playing – we was playing in, in Warsaw, and we were playing like crap and kind of like playing out to their level. It was a low-level team in the league. So, you know, nobody was really playing. And Coach came to the locker room was like, look, if y'all ain't going to shoot the ball, just give the motherfucker the Let him shoot it. So he came to the locker room and actually said that in front of everybody. I was just like, <laughs> like, you ain't going to shoot the ball or be scared. Just get the ball with him and let him right. make sure let me play. So, I mean, I, I rock with that coach to this day. I still, you know, if I see him or catch him on the internet or something, I'll say what's up to him, but he really didn't let me play that year.
1: Mm.
0: Hey, so when you first coming over to uh, Europe, your first year, tell me about uh, what you was thinking, how you was feeling, man. What was – what was the culture shock? Because I know we all had some kind of culture shock moment mm-hmm. when we first come to Europe and play.
2: Man, it was just different, just landing and just seeing, you know, a small city and, you know, just different scenery than you see in the States because it's, it's kind of set up a little bit different, the buildings and all that stuff, so it's, it's not the same. So for me, I ain't have no, no big homie or no vet to kind of school me before I went. Cause you know, that was before all social media and all this where you could right. get up and be like, right. you know, what's this like? So, you know, I ain't had none of that. So I just robbed, you know, 2001, just hoping for the best.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, people don't know that big homie, that vet is important.
2: Really important, important, man. That, you know I
0: mean? Cause uh, I remember my first, let's say international job was, wasn't for, it was in Mexico. And I had a, my vet was Reggie, I can't remember Reggie's last name, but man, if it wasn't for him, I don't know if I could have made it. Yeah. He, he was the coach on the floor. He just kept telling, hey yeah, do this, do this. Hey man, when you off the court, man, don't act like this, man, do it like mm-hmm. this, be careful. So those vets are important.
2: Yeah, really important, man. I, I just try my best now to help out the, a lot of young guys in the city who's heading over there or you know, just, just younger, uh players on my team throughout the you know past four or five years that i've been with to try to help them and push them in the right direction because you know one one or two little mess ups man and you you could you know pretty much tarnish your name yeah then nobody's messing with you after that
1: yeah it happens so fast in europe and it happens so often
2: right yeah that's all it takes for one or two coaches to throw some dirt on your name and you know they actually got some you know some credibility then
1: Nobody's going to touch you. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, you had some really big moments, man. Um, I'm interested to hear about some of the moments that you would think that you would say are some of the biggest moments in your career. Like, what, what do you look back and say, man, that was crazy. Or I can't believe I did that or we did that. What are some of those moments? Uh. I mean, I
2: probably had to start off with that second year in pro Com just because we had a lot we had a lot of guys coming back. So Daniel came back, Quintel came back. Uh, we pretty much had our core come back for that second year. And, you know, we got a taste of the EuroLeague and, you know, a Polish championship that first year. So, you know, with with everybody coming back, we like, all right, we, we got a chance to really do something and that year, you know, we made it to the playoffs or the EuroLeague. we went to the top eight and uh eventually lost to Olympiakos. I think they won it that year when they had Josh Childers and Kaleza. So yeah, yeah. they had a pretty stacked team and we was able to win one game at home that year. So, you know, they was a little bit nervous for, you know, for about 24, 48 hours while we was playing them in the playoffs. But you know, we we did that. That was something special, something they never done before. And then, you know, we went to the playoffs. We didn't lose a single game in the playoffs. So we ran through everybody in the playoffs. We won the Polish yeah. Championship that year. And then you know, after that I went to Spain, so continuing my career in the EuroLeague with you know a, a pretty good Spanish team. You know, we were top three that year, and just continuing success on bouncing around with EuroLeague teams. Then I went to Panna, and you know we went to the EuroLeague Final Four that year, um, won the Greek Cup, and then after that I went to Maccabi with Coach Black, so we ended up almost making the EuroLeague playoffs that year too. So I would say the, the Polish year kicked it off. And uh, really got my career going in, in the Euroleague. And then, you know, from there on out, I played six more years in the Euroleague. And then I went to Italy with Sassari. We ended up winning a Triple Crown that year. So we won mm-hmm. the Super Cup, the Cup, and the Italian Championship all in one year, which hadn't been done since, I think, one of the teams in Siena did it. Probably like 2008, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. 2009, something like that. So nobody's mm-hmm. done it since we did it, which is very hard to do because, you got to think about it as one game in Super Cup right? and three games in the Cup. So it ain't like, you know, the championship where, you know, you got a, a series where you can kind of make some adjustments. So you got to be hot. Those, all those games And we were able to win the Triple Crown, and that probably was my greatest, you know, achievement in Europe with that team.
0: Mm. Mm. So you've, uh you've played in a lot of countries. What, yeah. What you play, what's your favorite country? the country that you love, like the country that you like, man, I'm, that's the, that's the best country I've been to that I've lived in.
2: It's tough. I mean, I, I really like Italy as a whole, as far as country-wise and living, I think the best, the best overall year that I've had or most fun that I had was when I was playing in Athens with Panathinaikos. Yeah. Uh, like I said, we went to the final four that year in Euroleague. We just had a really good team, good people on the team. Uh, you know Athens is, is is pretty good pretty fun to live in you know nice weather and you know beaches and stuff like that good food so I would say overall Athens was probably my most memorable experience living wise and, and playing wise but as a as a whole as a country and you know, where I like to play the most is probably okay
1: that D- Dave usually likes to ask this question but I'm stealing this from him today. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me this man who this is an important question on this podcast. Who is the one dude who just gave you that work?
2: Oh man, let me think.
1: It ain't gotta be he gave it to you every time you saw him. Just... Go ahead.
0: Could be just that one game. It was just his night.
2: I'm trying to think who really got who really got loose. It had to be somebody who was playing the Euro League. Let me think. Man, it's it's tough. Um Let me think about that. I'm going to have to answer that at the end of the podcast. Yeah, I got go to go through a lot, a lot of people, a lot of teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to answer it before we get off the air. Though. I got to think.
1: So, no worries. We'll get kind back of to it. A lot of it. <laughs> I, I, we kind of we skipped some stuff, so I kind of want to talk about um, a little bit about just that, that D2 grind and coming out of that and then trying to find your way. There's so many guys who, at least from my experience, um, that come from like smaller schools, whether it be small D1s or uh, D2s that end up thriving in, in Europe. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is about that grind that uh, has those guys, guys like yourself, uh, be so successful?
2: Man, I just think it's t- it's it's not tougher, but I think those guys want it more because you got guys that come from like North Carolina, uh, the Dukes, the Kentuckys. Like they don't quite get in the league, but I don't think they have that that hungry that those smaller players got because they already know that you know they they might only get one or two shots because they came from a smaller situation. So a lot of teams are not going to pull the trigger on signing those guys or giving them the legit opportunity they probably deserve so a lot of those guys when they get when they get it man they take advantage of it and then they end up you know sticking around or really showing they can play on that level and they just start killing it but those guys who come from the bigger d1s i mean they probably come over here with a, a bad taste about europe or don't really don't really want to be here and just got nba on their mind. so you know they don't really take it that serious
0: mm-hmm. they, they, they always come in for a rude awakening
2: yeah, for sure, because they, for one, they probably feel like the, the Europeans or the European basketball is not that good, and, you know, that they're going to dominate and then get their way back to the NBA if they had their, you know, one foot in the door, but it ain't always like that, because a lot of guys who come from those big colleges, they come over here, shit, they get sent back home quicker than anybody else.
0: Because it's some, what they don't understand, there's some Europeans that'll bust your ass too. For sure,
2: yeah. A lot, <laughs> a lot of them lost.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, I wanted to ask you. You also have a, uh, you also a Poland, you you also have your Polish citizenship. You played on yeah. the Polish national team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we asked Bobby, how was it for him? You know when he was asked to play on the Turkish national team. For him, he said it was a blessing. Like he wanted to do it. When they approached you with that, how did you feel? What was you thinking? Like did it come out? i like. Did it come out the blue, or did you always knew that, know that they wanted you to play for them?
2: It kind of came out of the blue, cause one of the journalists asked me after a regular Polish league game, just like you know, if Poland came to you with a uh, a passport situation or actually play for a national team, would you do it? I was just like, yeah, you know, if they came at me, I would. So it kind of caught traction a little bit in the media. Then, you know, probably a couple weeks later, they got serious and then they really asked me to play because that year they needed a uh, an American that they can naturalize because they were hosting the Eurobasket that year so they wanted to do good so they are mm-hmm. like alright we need a little bit more firepower and you know that year before I had an MVP in the league so you know I was just right there in their backyard and I was you know playing really good in the league so I was the number one option at, at that time so I was like you know if they really serious about it you know I'll think about it I'll do it so they got the got filling out the paperwork and a couple months later I had it so
1: mm-hmm.
2: signed up and you know, throughout the summer I went and played, and it actually, like Bobby said, it was a blessing. It was fun, it was a lot of fun, than what I thought it was gonna be, you know, just playing against other countries with their top players. So it, it definitely was good competition,
0: right? Right, right. What would you, um, I know you experienced a lot in Europe. You know, every time I used to come home, man, uh, my family used to ask me what's going on over there, or they. Aren't they bombing people over there? You know, I used to hear the craziest questions. Mm-hmm. So I know you have, you've you've seen probably a lot of wild stuff, experienced a lot, wild a lot of wild stuff, on or off the court, either or or both. If you want to, what was some of the wildest stuff you've ever seen in Europe? You got any wild stories?
2: Uh, well, Tel Aviv, uh, obviously with the bombings and them them always, you know. Messing around with the Gaza Strip and all that down south. So, you know, me and my family was in our apartment one time, and you know the, the bombing alarm went off, so we had to run to the room for shelter for about thirty minutes until it stopped, and then um, it picked up a couple weeks after that. Um, one of the leaders from Jordan or something was talking crazy and doing some stuff to Israel. So, you know, we were I was going to practice and. You know, I'm all way to practice, and I just see the rocket just really? kind of go like over. Yeah,
0: you see the rocket,
2: rocket come up in the defense yeah. system, the drone shot yeah. that mug down.
1: Yeah. Time you out. You yeah. Little,
2: yeah. All, the alarm is going off throughout the city, and you just see people getting out their car, just hauling ass like to the ditch or something to kind of take cover, because you can see the rocket in the air, and the defense system shoots it down. Damn. So after that, I was like, I had to see my family home.
0: Oh, wait, hold on, hold
1: on. Okay. You told that story way too chill. Way
0: too calm. You was a little bit too calm telling that. You actually seen a rocket. Wait, yeah. I'm, if I'm driving down the street and I see a rocket fly over my head. Yeah.
1: You got one flying over your head right now with that hat, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: But now you know, this is just representing the home team. We talking about some real life situations right here. <laughs> this ain't nothing to be sneezed at. Like if I see a rocket over my head, I, I I'm going to the restroom by myself. I'm sorry. Yeah.
2: Man. That was, that was crazy. <laughs> so you can you can actually see it, and then they just the defense thing just shot it down.
1: Was it like a big boom? Like what what was the?
2: Yeah, you could hear it because it, it wasn't it wasn't as close as I thought it was. Cause I could just see it mm-hmm. out the car, but they shot it down.
0: So what you do after that, after you seen that?
2: I mean I, I didn't even I don't I didn't go to practice. I turned around and you know, I ended up in my family home for about two or three weeks.
0: Yeah.
2: So they calmed down. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, that was wild. But I mean on the court, uh man, I ain't really I mean besides playing the Greece, we played we played Olympiakos in the cup. You know, you got the fans on oh, each side, right. so they shoot those missiles while we playing yeah, in the game. Right. So, Little Roman candle type yeah. thing. So they should yeah, go. What yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: right, well, people don't understand, the fans in Europe, man, they are real fanatics.
2: Oh yeah, for, like, for sure.
0: They you got certain fans. countries, certain those countries are
2: more rowdy than others, but uh, they got them everywhere. I mean, except for Germ- Germany. Ain't, Germany ain't is doing laid much back. Of yeah. That. Yeah, France ain't doing too much of that, but Greece, Serbia, um, Turkey. Did a little bit, not too much. Turkey, yeah. All of them routed, so you can pre- you gotta prepare for anything out there.
0: Mostly Ooh. the Eastern European countries. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Who I gotta who is who's the best player you play? We we talked about the best guy or the hardest matchup or, but who's the best player you play with and why? What made him so good? Best player I played with. I can, I can tell you, for me, I played with a guy named Michael Wright. And the dude was so good that it felt like every time down, if, we didn't, if he didn't get the ball, it felt mm-hmm. like a bad possession. He was that good.
2: The, the big fella from Arizona, the left-handed
1: guy. Yeah. yeah. yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Fact, you remember that, you know, that question we asked, who was the guy that gave you work? Mm-hmm. For me, that was Michael Wright. He worked me before. I'm not yeah. going to confront to you. <laughs> I'm not going to front to you. It took me a season to figure him out. I've been playing against that guy since college. We, we was in yeah. the same conference. Mm-hmm. So it took me a good a good year or two to figure him out. Yeah, man.
2: I mean, for me, the best player, man, it's tough. Uh, I would have to say, I don't know, the most talented, I probably have to say Quintel Woods.
0: Yeah, he was a problem. Yeah, he uh, yeah. Yeah, just because,
2: man. I mean, he was just so naturally gifted. He had everything. He had size, handle. He could shoot it. He could post. Athletic. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he he had everything, and I was just for me, it was it was easy for him.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's
2: tough. Yeah, he he was one of the guys. Yeah, he'd be one of the guys I put up there, as far as best players that I played with, mm-hmm. and also uh, Teletovich. I played with him in Spain. Mm-hmm. He's pretty talented. Mm-hmm.
0: So, if you had to pick one country that you said, "Look, this is the country that I would like to live with my family," would you say that's Italy? Yeah. If you had to pick one,
2: yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd pick Italy. I could Italy. live, I could live in Italy outside of the U.S. Yeah. I mean, I would say Israel too, but Israel, they always got some stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, they got rockets going over here. <laughs> yeah, it ain't, it ain't the safest place all the time, but, I mean,
2: Italy. its a couple of <laughs> cities in Italy I can live.
1: Yeah. So you, you play for a lot of coaches. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for one of these coaches that you just wouldn't play for. Are there any guys out there that you would tell any young guy, hey, man, you're clear of this dude, man. <laughs> Ooh.
2: Parts like countries like that I didn't like a lot.
1: No, coaches. I'm saying coaches. Oh, coaches, coaches.
2: Oh, uh, <laughs> Dushka. Dushka. <laughs> coach I played for in Spain.
0: With, with, the, with the ponytail.
2: Yeah, I had signed. A, I signed a three-year deal to go there, and after the first year, I got out. I said, I ain't no way I'm coming back to play for this coach. <laughs>
0: hey, can I say something? Yeah, you were the second person to tell us his name.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> Marcus, Slaughter
1: the, Marcus Slaughter said the same thing. He said, "Man with the ponytail." Yeah. So,
0: uh, nah. I'm in Turkey, and he coached over for a Turkish team, Besiktas.
2: Yeah.
0: So that's I, I how I know exactly who you're talking about.
2: Yeah. I, no, I had something a three-year deal. I was like, man, if this coach is coming back, I'm not coming back. But that's why? What really, was so bad about this? He just do he do crazy stuff. So one story I had with him, I had a couple stories. I got into it with him a couple times. So me and this the center guy, this guy from Croatia, we had a fever. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they was like, "Come and shoot around and see how you feel." See if because we had a game that day, so I came and shoot around. I didn't do anything. I just me and him just sat down. Maybe he was like, you know, shoot some free throws, see how you feel. So I shot some free throws. So Mm -hmm. the shoot around was over about to get ready to either go in there and watch film or just, you know, take a shower and go home. So we finished. He was like, all right, now get on the line and run some sprints. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, run some, run some sprints and see how you feel. I said, dude, I didn't do the whole shoe run. I know I ain't going to be able to run those sprints. Like, I'm going to throw up or something. Like, I don't feel that that well to be running sprints. So he's like, no, run some sprints. I was like, no, nah, I'm out of here.
0: <laughs>
2: so <laughs> we bumped heads a lot, bro. Just, like, on some normal stuff, like he just he is just crazy, bro. <laughs> I don't know how it lasted the whole year with him. <laughs> I actually I actually tried to get out because Bo McCaleb had got hurt in Siena, and my agent was trying to get me to go there. they was like, "No, nah, we can't find a player to replace Logan, so we won't let him go." And they so difficult. To, the whole organization so difficult to deal with. Like,
1: which which uh, club was this at the time? Basconia. Okay, yeah, back in Spain. I got you.
2: Yeah, so I'm like, nah, but he's by far the most craziest coach I would never play for. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's why when I see he be signing all these other players uh other teams, if I be seeing one of the team, i am like, Oh no, he last. He's the last. <laughs> <laughs> if I know that dude personally or I just know how he is, he ain't going last with this coach. They were anybody playing the Panther Michael so so quick when they had DVTs, oh, he was that none of that stuff he was doing.
0: Yeah, Martinez running that show over there.
2: Yeah, that was like it was last
0: year, so I know he was trying to enjoy it. They brought him over there. Yeah, got him right out of there. Thanks for tuning in to Euro Stepin Podcast. Follow us on everything: YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Euro Stepping Podcast. No G.
1: We got all the games. <laughs>